Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. It is your host here, John Cutton. I hope everyone's having a great day. I am very excited to have a friend, colleague, long, long term person in my life, uh, Mr. Derek Kinney with us today. Um, Derek, for those of you who don't know, is a very accomplished financial advisor. Uh, a current business coach, coaching financial advisors, business owners, entrepreneurs, um, and also the author of an amazing book that I highly recommend you all get and read. I loved it myself, uh, called The Good Money Revolution. Um, And with that being said, I will also share, um, I became the actual successor to the amazing business that Derek built uh, down in uh, in the beautiful state of Texas, which I've gotten to know a little bit in Arlington, Texas, in fact. Uh, and I'm very grateful that Derek uh, provided me with the opportunity uh, to have my firm become a successor. So with that being said, Derek, maybe you can say a quick hello to the audience and, uh, and we'll get right into things. John, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, as I told every one of my clients, as I called each of them, letting them know the news that I was selling. I said, I don't want to just hand you off. I want to hand you up. And selling my practice to you, John, and your team allowed me to do that. And and to be candid with you, the test was a year later, how would clients respond to me? And they tell me, Derek, thank you for connecting me with such a great team. And it was humbling because you like to think you're the best advisor in town, but you want your clients to get a better one than you are. And that's definitely what happened by working with you. So I appreciate that. No, I appreciate that. And as we, uh, as we, we trade compliments back to each other, we'll get a little, little uh, oxytocin going as they call it. Um, you know, we've, we've been uh, you know, the acquirer and we've merged many practices in, I'll say, uh, Derek, your practices certainly at the the very top of well-run businesses with an amazing client base, an amazing team uh, that you kind of left behind that we were lucky enough to uh, to inherit uh, and some big shoes to fill, uh, right? So, you know, the work that you did, I always share, um, you know, with advisors that, you know, the hardest thing to do when you acquire a business or even merge a business in is to actually try to replace a very, very, very seasoned, successful, caring advisor. Um, and you had some big shoes to fill. So I'm, I'm grateful that you think we're doing a, a decent job of, uh, of filling them. So I, I appreciate that. So, you know, Derek, I'm super excited uh, to have you on the show today. And, you know, what I, I'd like to just start with, because I, I found it, as you know, uh, interesting and kind of fascinating that I think at the age of 50 is when you decided to sell your very successful financial planning business. And just guys, so, you know, listeners, um, it's a multi-million dollar business with hundreds of millions of dollars of assets under management, built over a couple of decades of blood, sweat, and tears, and, and just an amazing uh, business that uh, the thing that always stood out to me, Derek, is how you really kind of focused, and I want to hit this with you today, 
on providing massive value and an amazing experience to clients that I now know they've grown to expect, right? So they really, really value the experience more than the performance on their stocks and bonds and mutual funds. It was really about the relationship and how you made them feel. And I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit more about that. But first, I'd like to just ask, what made you make the decision after building such a successful business to exit it? You know, I had uh, built this practice for 25 years and I always have a time of self-examination every year to reflect on what happened the past year and am I going in terms of the path of where my goals are leading me to go? And I go on a sabbatical every year. I take about five days completely by myself. Uh, this particular year, it was July of 2019. I was at the W Hotel in Boston as the place that I picked to overlook the water. And I always ask myself three questions. How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? And how can I be a better business owner? And I began to write a list down of all the things that I wanted the next year to look like in terms of my ideal year. And then I began to write out a list of, from a professional standpoint, John, what are the things that I would really want to do? What was in my heart calling me on a bigger scale to do? And I wrote down, write a book, launch a podcast, coach, speak, consult. And surprisingly, shockingly, on the list was not being a client-facing financial advisor. And that was my moment of truth. And I, I've been kind of thinking about this for a while, but I realized if that's how I was feeling right then, I was always all in for every one of my clients and my team. And I realized if I felt like the time for me now was to, to take my message and go bigger, I owed it to my team and my clients and myself to sell the business to a, a worthy successor so that I could then do what I feel like I was being called to do. So it was a hard decision. And, and one of the hardest things, John, I'll tell you this, uh, of the hundreds of clients, I made a commitment to call every single one of them. And I get a little bit emotional talking about it because I called about 30 people a day and it took me about a month and a half to call each one. And, and, and the, the responses ran the gamut. You know, some people were cheering me on, excited. Derek, we're so happy for you to, to do what you've helped us do. Uh, other people were mad, candidly. Well, Derek, I feel like you're abandoning us. You, you've helped us and we thought you'd be with us the whole way. One lady though, John, summed it up the best. She said, Derek, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, just buy a Corvette. It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. That's funny. So I love that response. But I, but I got to tell you, it was mid-February. I began the process in January. Mid-February is when I had called everybody. I can't. I, I broke down in tears, just being completely vulnerable with you. It, it was such a big weight because I, I loved this client base, but I also loved the process and the decision I had made. A lot of advisors had expressed interest in buying this practice, but I picked you guys because our values aligned. I liked you as a person and you had a vision. So many people these days don't have a big vision, and I like people with big visions who put feet to them. And so that, that's why it was such an emotional moment for me. But now that I look back, I could not be happier in terms of the decision I made and the client feedback verifies that as well. Super well said. And, you know, as I'm, I'm listening to you talk, we could, we could do a mic drop right there. Ton, tons of, we could just unpack what you said and we probably could, could go spend an hour or two uh, talking about it. There are a couple of things I would highlight that I thought were really interesting. One, 
Um, I love that you take time out of the business and you go on what you call the sabbatical, right? And there were three things you mentioned, right? How do I become a better father, a uh, better husband, uh, and a better business owner? So I think that is uh, a great idea and something that I think a lot of us think about doing, right? Myself included, but don't actually execute and follow through on having those five days in your example. For me, I might be able to just get one day, right? Yeah, right. Uh, to do that would be super valuable. So I think that's awesome. And then I also heard you say um, that you were searching for what you called your calling, right? Which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, one of the things, Derek, that um, you helped me with unknowingly at the time for you and unknowingly at the time for me is to be a little bit more introspective because you and I are close in age. You've got me by a couple of years. Uh, I think two, right? I'm 50. I think, are you 52, 53? Actually, I, I turned 54 today. Oh so my goodness. birthday with you, man. Happy birthday. <laughs> what a terrible birthday gift to be talking to me. Oh my goodness. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? 54 today. So that's amazing. Happy birthday. That's, hey, I appreciate that. Thank you. Are, are you doing something fun at least later? Uh, yeah, something later. I mean, this is fun as well, but I mean, yeah, it'll be fun family time later on. I'm going to tell you, Derek Kenny, I hope the highlight of your 54th, 54th birthday cannot be a podcast uh, with me. I, it's got to get better than that. But uh, but sincerely, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, but, you know, where I was going with that, so I guess you're, you know, three and a half years older than I am or so. But I kind of looked at it. I'm like, man, I give Derek a ton of credit, right? Here he is at, you know, 50 ish years old, maybe you were 51 then or whatever it might have been. But to make this decision after a quarter of a century of building a wealth management business to follow your calling. Right. And I was, you know, when when we became your successor, I didn't exactly know what your calling was. You told me a little bit about it, but I wasn't completely connected uh, to understand it. But now watching what you've done over the last few years and quite frankly, how passionate you seem about the work that you're doing, um, you know, to our listeners, you know, think about being intentional, intentional, think about having a process in place so that you can think about your thinking and what will actually give you true joy and true happiness. And I say that, uh, Derek, because you know, some days we all feel as I just feel like I get up every day and I grind and I, you know, I've got to Big, big vision and thanks for saying some of the things that you had mentioned but sometimes it, it really just feels like it's groundhog's day and right and you need a little bit of a change up um you help me see some of those things and interestingly you know they say when the um student is ready the teacher arrives right and i've been following you from afar a little bit because i was just intrigued and how, how did this guy do it like super successful built a great business um, you know, on the top of your game at, you know, in your early fifties, and then you just did a complete pause and redirect. Right. Um, but you helped me become a little bit more introspective and I've actually changed my role inside of my wealth management firm, um, to be much more leaderful and quite frankly, to follow a little bit of your lead to ultimately be able to use the business that I've built more to be a servant leader and more to give back to my local community and help my advisors and staff do more of that good work 
um, in the areas that we work and live. And I was able to see how you did that inside of your business and now how you're doing that nationally. Uh, and I just you know, want to thank you for that because um, you know, sometimes until you talk to someone, you don't really realize the impact that they had, but without knowing it, your action actually helped change my path a little bit as well. So I'm, I'm grateful for you for that. And I think Derek, that's a really good tie-in to tell me a little bit about the book that you wrote, right? So you, you, you know, you're author of a book that was one of the goals that you have, uh, the good money revolution for our listeners who haven't read it yet, you should go get out and read it, but maybe you could give a little quick infomercial for kind of the purpose behind that book and what you think a reader could take from it. Well, one of the things that I wrote the book about was there's this conversation in culture today, John, that says money is bad. And if you have a lot of it, you're a really bad person. And if you own a successful business, often you get vilified in the media because you have all the money, which means other people don't. And there's this scarcity thinking. And I wanted to come hard at that comment because actually, and I'm gonna be candid with you, I really like money a lot. It's a goal meter for me. I love to look at my net worth every quarter. I love to track money. And it's because I love to help other people make money. And the beauty of this financial advisory business, if you do it well, the better you take care of your clients, the better essentially you get taken care of financially. It's this beautiful model. And I wanted to let people know that culture may tell you that, hey, if you have a lot of money, you're bad. But I wanted to reverse that and really tear up that script and write a new one and say, I want to empower you, business owners, financial advisors, individual readers, to go make more money, but not just to fill up your bank account and pad your portfolio, but to do more good with it. And what we find is that research tells us that people often think that if I can get to a million dollars, I'll have it made. There's no worries, no concerns. My life will be easy. And then they get there, a lot of hard work, a lot of broken relationships, maybe a broken marriage, and they realize this isn't what I was told it was going to be. They were sold a bill of goods. But what we find is that if people on their pathway to making money begin to tie meaning to it, a cause they care about, a, an injustice they see in the world, a wrong they want to right, and they weave that as motivation to here's why I want to go make more money so that I can help make a difference in this cause, that's powerful. And then the supercharge on that is when they bring it to their business. And this is something that I did in my business for 25 years. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was sort of a trailblazer in this of, of incorporating, we're going to give back a portion of all of our proceeds to causes that support education, for example. I had a big passion for supporting teachers and students. And I'll tell you just a quick story, John, if I may. Uh, when I first began my practice, I was a young guy, 24 years old, no gray hair. I looked like a punk, quite candidly. And I asked myself, who's going to invest with this face? And I always had a passion for investing back in education. And I thought, you know, when I was a high school student at Sam Houston High School here in Arlington, where I live now, nobody ever came back. There were no business professionals that came back to our school and, and gave us a vision of what our lives could look like past the boring math class and past the, the doldrum economics class. And, and why are we taking these classes? It's to give us a picture of what our future could look like. And I said, you know what, that's not right. And so I began to do that. So I went back every month 
and I gave out an award for a teacher of the month and a student of the month at my local alma mater. And I gave the, the student a $25 gift card and the teacher a $50 gift card. You would have thought they won the lottery. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, for me, 75 bucks a month was really nothing quite candidly, but for them, and I realized later it wasn't the gift card, it was the fact that they felt seen and heard and they felt validated and important. So I then took a picture with myself and the teacher and the principal and, and, and the student and put that in the newspaper back in the day. You know, 25 years ago, we had these things called papers that were, they were printed, they sent them to our houses. Yes. And so that appeared there and I began to get phone calls. And this was the strangest thing. And this was this big aha moment for me. I remember a woman, this was the third call I got. And she said, Derek, we want to move our account to you because we like the work you do in the community. And I finally said to her, this was so unprofessional, but I said, I'm 24 years old. Why are you wanting to work with me? I have very little experience. And she said, Derek, it's because you care about what we care about. And John, that was the moment for me that changed my entire business model. Because what I realized was, yes, I wanted to deliver great returns and I wanted to deliver great performance and a great experience, but clients expected those as foundational qualities and expectations. They wanted to be part of something bigger and a way that they could make the world and their community better. So they knew that by working with Derek and my team, they were helping make Arlington education better. And so part of the book is all about giving business owners and specifically financial advisors the tools to make more money, to do more good as part. It's a doorway that invites high quality clients to be part of your business. And it completely decommoditizes and differentiates you from other advisors. And let me tell you one trend right now that I see that's very important. The concepts of this book, specifically generosity, there's so much competition right now. If you're an advisor listening and you want to hire staff, you're finding it hard. You're competing with people. You're having to raise your salary out of the band you wanted to go to. What we find is both uh, staff and clients are looking for something where they're part of something bigger. So if you can have a generosity purpose, a cause you weave into your business and promote that as you go to attract new staff and as you go to appeal to new advisors that want to join your firm or new clients that you want to join your firm, it helps you stand out and, and completely moves everybody else to the irrelevant bucket so they want to work with you. Amazing. And, you know, Derek, uh, things racing through my mind as you're speaking. Um, amazing book. And really, you know, as I think about it, I, I wrote some notes as you were talking as quickly as I could. Believe it or not, what you're describing, it's kind of contrarian, right? It's a contrarian thought process to think having a lot of money is good. We're taught to think that you're shameful of having a lot of money because, um, for, for many people, right, at least, where um, it, it doesn't necessarily buy happiness. We've all heard that cliche. But when you start to understand and have a generosity purpose, as you call it, man, you can do unbelievably good things with money. You could do unbelievably good things with a big business that has lots of people in it that have common values around helping different causes or maybe the same cause for that matter. Um, and I love the kind of, you know, the old saying that there's riches in niches, right? Mm -hmm. While it might not be 
a niche that is so specific that I only work with doctors as an example, or, you know, veterinarians to be more specific, but it sounds like the niche, and this is what we found in acquiring your business is finding people who are also really good human beings um, that care about their community. And there's lots of different ways to care about a community, um, which is so simple when you say it, but yet so few advisors and business owners in generally actually see it and can build a system and a process around how to make that part of their growth strategy, right? So I heard you talk about meaning. I heard you talk about, you know, what I'll kind of, kind of call cause marketing, right? I think is a term that I've heard before. So, you know, if you're an advisor today, and I think what's amazing, you know, about you, Derek, is you've got, you've got these, this different lens, I'll call it, right? Where you were a financial advisor, um, still are in many ways. So you, you understand everything about financial planning and investments and how money works, which is an interesting lens, right? Right. You were also a business owner, right, as well. So as a business owner, you understand kind of entrepreneurship and leadership and ultimately um, the DNA of a business owner and the trials and tribulations that a business owner goes through. I know you're a man of faith, right, as well. So you, you're, you're, you, know, you, you obviously uh, have a deep understanding there as well. And then you're a man of giving back and charity. Right. So when you put all of those things together, um, you really have a different lens than the average person, human being, financial advisor, because you've done all those things. You've also exited a business. Right. So you've got this kind of M&A or this invest investment banking type of experience. So so you exited the wealth management business. You followed your passion. You wrote a book. Today, I know you're coaching financial advisors, you're coaching business owners. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do there and how you help financial folks, uh, business folks, et cetera. Well, thank you, John. You know, one of the biggest areas that makes advisors feel stuck right now is they're perceived by the public like everyone else. In other words, if you were to say, I'm a financial advisor, people have this checklist in their mind of, okay, well, you sell insurance and, and you sell mutual funds and maybe you invest money. And people look at financial advisors as though they're one size fits all. And that is not right. You know, the advisors that I know, and I, John, I've followed your career and, and the team that you've built, which is so magnificent and, and other even top advisors around the country. And when they feel stuck, oftentimes they go back to the past marketing client acquisition methods that worked then the problem is those don't work anymore as we evolve and the industry evolves people's perception of our industry evolves as well and what i would tell people and this is the first thing that i drill down on after i really listen intently to each advisor in terms of what their goals are but specifically i want to understand uh, their uniqueness you know, so many advisors feel like they have to look and act and talk a certain way so they sound sort of financial advisor-ish. And I really come against that hard and I say, no, I want you to put your personality on full display because ultimately people buy from people and the more human you are, the more relatable you are. 
I talked to a woman yesterday that I interviewed on my podcast and she said, Derek, one of my friends is a Hollywood screenwriter. And she said, the best way to get the audience to hate a character is to make the character look perfect because nobody can relate to the person. They've got everything going right for them. Everything looks perfect. It's not relatable. But when they present a messy character with flaws and humanity and, and here's something I'm struggling with, it endears the audience so tightly to the character, it becomes like they're walking with the character through the movie. And so one of the ways to do that is, number one, when you own a problem, you own your success. And what I want to do is for each advisor listening is, how do we completely separate all the other advisors in town? Because right now in this moment, they're completely irrelevant to me and to you. You're the only advisor in town who people should work with. I hope you agree with that. And the way to do that is to identify the core problem that your ideal clients have that you become the specialist to serve. So John, let me ask you a question. If you were to have to have a delicate medical procedure, say on your shoulder, you had a shoulder issue, would you typically trust more the general practitioner who knows a little bit about a lot of things, or would you want to seek out the shoulder expert who every day, all they do is find new ways to make people's shoulders better? Who would you typically gravitate toward? It's, it's as if you know I have a bit of a shoulder pain going on, okay. I do right now. But yes, I, I would go to the best shoulder guy or gal in town who all they do all day long is work on people's shoulders. And so I don't think that you're unlike any other person listening right now in the sense that that's naturally what we gravitate toward. If there's pain, we want to think is who offers the strongest and most powerful and effective medicine for my pain. And you want to be that advisor because people spend more on painkillers than they do on vitamins. You're there to extinguish their financial pain. And so the way to do that is, and there's an exercise I take people through, and I'll, I'll go really quickly on this, John, is you want to identify your top five most profitable clients right now. The people that in terms of fees and revenue, they pay you the most because they're saying, I'm voting for you with my dollars and you know they value what you provide. So those are the top five people. On this other side, you wanna identify the top five people who you simply like the most, who when you see their name on your calendar, you're like, oh, I'm so excited to see the Smiths or the Joneses or the Barretts, whoever it may be. And then you wanna combine those two lists and see who of the people that pay you the most and value you with their dollars, and also who you like the most combine and there's probably a couple names on there on both lists and then what you want to do is ask this key question what was the problem that they came to you to help solve you see you're no longer just a financial advisor now you're a detective of financial pain and you're helping take out a shovel and dig to find out why did these people come to me and when you begin to see the commonalities, and it's often not the problem, it's a symptom of the problem. Often people don't come to you and say, John, I, I'm coming to you because I want financial independence. That's the solution. The symptom might be, I'm coming to you because I don't wanna be embarrassed and run out of money in retirement and have to go back to work. Sure. That's a human emotion that people can relate to and when you can provide the antidote to that problem, now you are a specialist 
Now, if you've got a shoulder, you've got a knee, you go to the specialist, now you can present yourself in your local community as we specialize in helping people not run out of money so they avoid embarrassment of going back to work. Now, that may sound flippant, but the goal is to connect with people on a concern that plagues them every single day. And when you do that, whether the person has half a million dollars or $20 million, we're all human on the inside, all have the same insecurities and fears and worries. And when they find an advisor who understands with empathy the worry they feel right then, suddenly whatever you recommend to them, it's, it's, it's of course they're gonna do it. All they wanna know is somebody heard me and listened to me most important, they understood my financial pain where I was. And so advisors today, as you listen to this, I will listen to this a couple times to listen to what John and I talk about. You wanna unpack how can you specialize in your local area to differentiate and, and essentially make every other advisor in your town completely irrelevant. Hey, Quantum Growth for Financial Advisor listeners. One ask of all of you, as you know, we do these simply to help all of you grow your businesses and grow your practices, become better leaders, better advisors, more valuable to your community. Share this with a friend, give us five stars, make a comment. Uh, we'd love to get more and more listeners. The world of abundance is out there, so don't be shy to share it with other financial advisors in the industry. Thank you, as always. Love it. I, I, what I love about Derek, um, just the way you communicate, you're a really good orator and you, you actually break it down into steps, right? So the way you kind of look at your client base and those who pay you the best and then what their ultimate pain was, um gives our listeners a bit of a process right that they can follow as well so um super smart um makes a ton of sense i want to unpack a little bit more if that's okay because i think this will be really helpful to our listeners so um you know as you're speaking i want to kind of better understand maybe you can you know i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit but you know give an example right so i'm an advisor um, and, and let's face facts, Derek, the average advisor, right, is doing, say, you know, 500,000 to a million and a half in revenue, some less, some more. But let's say I'm a million dollar producer. I've been in the business for 15 or 20 years. By all standards, I am super successful, right? But if, if we really look under the hood, most businesses over the last decade, up until the last year or so, um, most of their growth has come from the tailwind of the stock market, right? Markets have gone up. We've been in this raging bull market. And when you really look under the hood, the net flows, right? The new money that came into the practice versus the money that went out due to ACATs out or distributions or you know, normal kind of uh, uh, attrition in a business, people passing away. Most businesses are flat, barely up or down a little on net flows when you really get under the hood. Most businesses acquire less than five ideal clients a year, 
or I shouldn't even say ideal, five good enough clients a year, um, maybe one or two, if they're lucky, ideal clients a year. So as you think about using kind of, you know, the good money revolution and being more, um, more kind of seen and giving back in your community, if an advisor stuck a little and he or she, the old you know, client referrals or working with CPAs or, you know, the dinner seminars or what have you, aren't as effective as they once were, which I think we would all agree is probably true. Client referrals, I think, are still alive and well. Um, what, the, what, what would the first thing that you would suggest an advisor like that does? Well, the default, John, for so many advisors to answer your question would be, I'm going to buy advertising or I'm going to try to promote myself online. And all that does is that enters you into this fog of other advisors and it confuses the conversation. So I feel like for people to transform as advisors right now and really break through the ceiling of if I'm at 500, I want to get to 750 or a million or one and a half or two, they've got to bring clarity to the core problem they solve. And so let me give you a relevant example. Let's say that you're in a social setting, you've been to an event and now there's a, you know, there's an after party, if you will, some social gathering and you're mingling around and introducing yourself to people and you come across, for example, a personal trainer and you strike up a conversation. Hi, my name is Derek. What's your name? Oh, I'm, my name is Jill. And well, Jill, what do you do? Well, I'm a personal trainer. And she goes on to tell you that, you know, we help create custom exercise programs and help people get fit. And you're like, oh, that's very interesting. And you know, what was your background? And you continue the conversation a bit and, and, and then you move on. And then later on that evening, you meet another personal trainer and uh, he says, yeah, my name is Bill. And uh, he says, you know how many busy business owners and executives want to do the best they can in their lives and be present for their families and their grandkids, but also have the energy to live the life they want? And you're like, yeah, that's what we help do through our custom tailored fitness programs. We meet each person where they're at. We develop a customized game plan that's convenient for them so that they're the grandparents who can actually crawl on the floor with their grandkids and live the life they've always wanted. Okay, let me press pause right there, John. If you had to make a decision between those two personal trainers, which one would you pick? Oh, I'm going with Bill, number two. And, and why would you go with Bill? Because Bill understands exactly what I'm thinking and without me even telling Bill, he he was able to understand some of my fears and the things that I want to make sure I accomplish in my future life. Yeah. And so Bill will probably do almost all of the personal training business. The more people he can tell that intentional story to. And so what I would tie that to financial advisors is that so many times people walk up and they've said this to me, and this would be my the bane of my existence, John, just being candid with you. People would say, Derek, what do you do for a living? And I would say, well, I'm a financial advisor. And you could just see the people's eyes roll back in their head. And it was like I was boring them beyond belief. And they had this checklist in their mind of, oh, he's the guy that sells mutual funds and does insurance and this and that. And, and I was written off. And I just got tired of that. And so what I began to do was I took a lesson from the personal trainer and I said, John, you know how so many people worry about running out of money in retirement? And the person I'm talking to says, yeah, we design a success blueprint to help them not run out of money so they can be confident and live the life they've always wanted. 
Well, then what that engages the person enough time with is for them to say, well, now what do you do? Well, as a financial advisor, I specialize in helping people, et cetera, et cetera. So what that did is that intentional dialogue bought me a few more seconds with the person, but more importantly, it invited them into a bigger and more relatable problem that they could immediately understand. And this ties back into what I talked about as being a specialist. You wanna make sure that your words matter. Words are money. And I want you to invest each word well because it can pay big dividends. Because when you enter a room, the goal is for you, typically if you're having one conversation, other people gather around and other people are like, that's the same problem I've got. I know somebody with that. I need that. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of, ten, a ton of sense. Um, and I need you to speak to my advisors because <laughs> you're, um, like I said a minute ago, you're very, very good, very, very good, as good as I've seen at making the complex simple, right? And that's ultimately, we're all in the business of sales. And that's what good salespeople do is they ultimately connect things back to the meaning, right? That the receiver of the message needs to ultimately hear. So um, amazing how you can kind of articulate that on the fly. So um, I'm gonna keep digging because I think this is really gonna be helpful um, you know, for our listeners. So. You know, to me, I'm kind of creating the Derek Kinney steps in my mind. So step one is understand the ideal client, your avatar, some people call it. Like, who do I want to work with and why? And what is the big problem that 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 those folks have, right? Yeah. Uh, and how do I become the medicine to that problem? Step two um, is once you understand it, be able to articulate it in a simple, concise way that will help the receiver of that message, i.e. your avatar or your ideal uh, consumer, right? Customer, prospect, whatever you want to call it, um, so that your words will resonate with how you already know they feel without them telling you that this is how they feel, which will help them truly feel understood. And like, man, this Derek Kinney guy gets me. I don't know how he gets me, but exactly what I'm feeling is what he's got the medicine for, right? And then step three, which is what I'd like you to talk a little bit about, is if I'm not a super social person and I'm not at the dinner party and I don't have what I perceive as prospective clients, right? And I know we meet people every day and everybody is a prospective client, um, but I wanna bring it back to the good money revolution. Most of our listeners, um, are very successful, have causes that they care about, but might not have the time in their opinion uh, or the, uh, you know, the inclination to go out and get involved in their local community. Do you have advice? Because I would, I would, my belief would be by getting out in your community and finding commonality, you'll find a lot of those people, like in your example a minute ago, that might want to make sure that they're healthy enough to play with their children or grandchildren, et cetera. Um, is that the next step of how you kind of get out in the community? Because I've always said, Derek, part of the problem is how do you get belly to belly, I call it, right? So you're sitting down or standing across from one of those ideal uh, prospects. So let me give you a couple thoughts here. And uh, 
some of these I think will resonate uh, with your audience. First of all, understand your unique personality type. So I'm not asking any of you listening to become someone you're not. I will tell you though, that whatever your personality is, you need to get clarity on exactly what you specialize in and the core problem that you're going to own. Because when you own a problem, you own your success. There's nobody that can take away that success when you own it, you're the go-to person. So a couple thoughts that come to mind. One is in my local town, I'm heavily involved in the Rotary Club. And candidly, I first joined Rotary for the networking and the relationships and meeting people thinking this is gonna be like a big BNI group. And what happened was, is my perspective changed when I began to serve with people side by side on a project. And what I found is that we have Thursday lunches and if I show up for the Thursday lunch, yes, I see people, yes, I shake hands, yes, I, I meet some new people, but the relationship deepens and the trust forms and the desire to work together occurs when you're working together on a project on a common cause. Because what happens is now there's shared stories, there's shared experiences, there's the joke about what happened. There's, I can't believe you tripped over the shovel. I can't believe, and now there's a laughter. There's this, there's this item that you have together that bonds you that when they have the need to work with you, the specialist financial advisor, you're in the top of their mind share because of that shared experience. They know you, like you, trust you. So I would encourage people to, whether it's you or you can empower your team to do this. And this is, this is something that I really uh, speak strongly against. And that is, I don't want any advisor to feel like they're carrying the entire burden of the practice or the business themselves, because that's a too big of a burden. And the work you do is too valuable. Now, I'm going to get emotional again here because I, I firmly believe that financial advisors are the superheroes in the world. Without advisors, people would be sunk financially. Even the wealthiest people need you, the high quality financial advisor, to guide and walk alongside them to achieve their goals. Without you, they will not achieve the best version of themselves. And so you're doing people quite candidly a disservice if you're not clearly communicating the problem you solve. You're robbing people of them being able to work with you, the top advisor in town. So. I've said my piece there, John. Now, the, the other piece there would be empowering your team to go to some of these meetings and be in the community. It doesn't have to be you. Your team can be empowered to be an extension of you. So for example, one of the ideas I had just yesterday was, you know, when you think about bringing in high quality, uh, you know, high revenue clients that have quite a bit of assets, they could come to a meeting or one of your best clients could invite them to join you and your team while serving together at a local cause. Well, now it's just total dialogue. There's no table in front of us, no papers, no files, no computer. We're just building a relationship. And then you get a picture together afterwards and you send them a nice note card. It was so great to serve with you to make our community better. Just so you know, my life would be better having you in it. We'd love to visit with you about becoming one of our clients. I mean, how easy is that? You put that in the mail, they've got a keepsake picture, and now they've built a relationship with you and your team before ever stepping into the office. So empower them and also what that does, here's a little secret weapon to go against what's happening today. We know that companies 
are competing fiercely for not just clients, John, but staff. And they're wanting to retain their staff and attract staff. When you weave in a cause and you empower your team to be part of that cause, even on a weekly basis, and actually part of it is helping the community, but also building relationships with these other high net worth people, it helps them want to stay because they're part of something bigger. They get to show off their own personality and they feel like they're an owner and not just an employee of the firm. Amazing. Um, completely agree. It's, um, it's where we're trying to go as a firm. And uh, you don't know this yet, but you're, you're going to help lead it with us, Derek, if that's okay. okay. <laughs> um, but I, 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 what, I, what I really love about what you're saying um, is you know, I, I think about it, you know, our listeners know, as an example, that I built a good part of my business through CPA partnerships, right? And I created a whole coaching company around it. And it's, it's literally dialed in, do this, then do this. And here's the script. And that's what you say. And here's how you track it. And here's the handwritten note that you send and so on, et cetera. Um, it sounds to me like you got so successful at doing this in your own practice that you've also now created the blueprint um, so that other advisors can just follow the Derek Kinney system of how to actually um, create, I, I, you don't call it an avatar, I call it an avatar, but create that avatar and be able to create a system to meet those prospects, know who they serve best, know how to wordsmith who they serve best, and then kind of like the back end, the back end engine to ensure that there's a process in place to over time, I'm sure it doesn't happen immediately, but to take that relationship that you're building based on a common cause and turn that into introductions or clients themselves. And it sounds like what you've really done is you've perfected it in a way that it's a process that you can teach others how to run the same system. Although each person's avatar may be completely different because they all have different interests and different causes that they actually believe in. Is that, is that an accurate description, do you think, Derek? Yeah, John, I think you, you, you colored in all the lines really well there. The, the beauty of this is imagine for a moment that in your financial planning business and you've got a lot of recurring revenue right now, which I'm a big fan of recurring revenue, and you now have a new way to actually make more money to benefit the cause that you care about. The cause that maybe since you were young, you've always said, I want to make clean water available. I want to help curb homelessness. I want to help alleviate poverty. I want to help education be better. And see, that's a way to drive you where it's cool. It's cool to go make a lot of money when you're also doing a lot of good. And, and, and the revolution part of this whole book is it makes you want to keep doing it. And I'll tell you a quick story about a guy named Dave, not, not Dave Dick, who's a fantastic guy. Uh, this was a, a Dave who was a longtime business owner who I'd worked with and came into my office. And you know those relationships, John, where you can just tell by the person's body language that something is bothering them? Yep, sure. He came in, his shoulders were slumped. He looked like he had aged about 10 years since I last seen him. I said, Dave, what's wrong? And he said, Derek, you know, I've got this business. He was a, a respected business owner in town. And he said, I'm not into it anymore. I'm not motivated to go to the office and I don't know what to do. And out of the blue, the words shot out of my mouth, John. I said, Dave, is there a cause that you care about? 
And I could tell the question stunned him. He sat back a little bit and thought for a moment. And he said, he told me a story. He said, Derek, a couple of years ago, I took my family and I, we went on this trip overseas. And the guide that we had in this particular village talked about this village was so impoverished, so behind in terms of their education and economically uh, just uh, beaten down mm-hmm. because of the lack of a school building. And he said, if they had a school building here, it would revolutionize this entire community. And he remembered exchanging a glance with his wife as if to say, you know, wouldn't it be cool to fund that school? And they get back to the States, life gets busy, business is busy. But my question brought this back. And I said, Dave, what if you did this over the next six months, you set a sales goal and you took half of that increase and used it to fund that school? Well, his eyes got as big as saucers. We began to talk about how to lay that out and what the blueprint was for that. We were going to see each other again in six months. He came back in three months. He looked younger. He looked rejuvenated. He looked all in. I said, Dave, night and day, what happened? He said, well, I did what you said to do, and it worked really well. I said, well, what did I tell you to do? I like to hear it in your words. And what he did is he put a picture, kind of a mock picture of the school on his company website, and he he made a tab called Our Generosity Purpose. And he talked about how going forward, we're going to take a portion of all of our proceeds, and we're going to fund that school. And he let his customers know. And what happened is they began to spread the word, and his business grew because Dave had an engineering firm and people could buy his product from anybody, John. It wasn't that he had any part of the market cornered, but he provided great service, which is the key to all this. You've got to provide great service and a great uh, deliverable, but people were part of something bigger that nobody else was offering them. His sales went up. Dave himself got remotivated. He was reinvigorated because now he wasn't just going to the business He was going to the business with a purpose. And then a side benefit was his team. His team also sensed Dave not being all in. They became not all in. They got rejuvenated. And again, in a competitive market like this, it helped retain quality people. And about a year later, Dave fully funded that school. Wow. It wasn't just Dave. And this is the beauty of this, John. If you and I give in private, which is what culture says you should do. You shouldn't let anybody know what you're doing. You're robbing people of the joy they get to feel when they're part of something bigger. So the clients were excited and it endeared the clients to Dave and Dave's business even more. His business kept growing because they know, look, I can buy this product from anybody, but I can't buy this product and make the world better with anybody else. And that is my invitation to every advisor listening right now in your local community, Find a cause either that you care deeply about or poll. Remember that list I shared earlier of your top five most profitable clients mm-hmm. and the five clients you like the best? Ask them what they care about and begin to provide assistance to those and, and get them involved in it. You're going to have clients for life and better yet, referrals for life of multiple generations because we know this younger generation really cares about generosity and making the world better. It's the best Gen X and next gen marketing strategy ever when it comes to financial advisors. You know, Derek, you have no passion around this. It's so frustrating. <laughs> it's like you really don't. <laughs> I, I've got to tell you, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about lots of things, but I really love this conversation. 
Um, we're, you know, we're just about out of time here. Um, but I, I want to just highlight a couple of the things that you had shared, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap and talk about where our listeners can find you as well. Um, the passion that comes from Derek is contagious. And um, what I love about um, what you're doing, Derek, is you're so excited about something that's so meaningful that it truly is, it's a purpose that's worthy of anyone's or everyone's best efforts, right? And you're kind of like on this crusade to like teach people um, how to give more uh, in their local community. And you can multiply that, right? You've got this gift, in my opinion, to, um, to motivate and to explain and to make people feel good, right? Particularly financial advisors and business owners, but to our listeners, to financial advisors, um, I've always looked at it and said, the role of a financial advisor is what we really are is we're leaders, whether we know it or not. We're leading our clients, we're leading our staff, we're leaders in the community. And you know, as you get to a certain level of success, and the reality is in our country, someone who makes $100,000 a year, which is a lot of money, right? Um, is some of the most successful people in your community, right? And some of our listeners make two or five or a million or uh, more dollars per year. It almost becomes, um, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna use the word, um, I won't say shameful because that would be the wrong word, but it almost becomes as if you're not living up to your full potential, if you can't take the success that you've had and pay it back to your community, to your staff, to your clients, to your advisors. Um, and I think what Derek does unbelievably well is he gives a blueprint um, on how to do that. And you can actually have a guide um, who's not only walking the, or sorry, talking the talk, but actually has walked the walk and is continuing to walk the walk uh, in a bigger way. So Derek, thanks for uh, all you're doing in your community, nationally, uh, the way that you're kind of, uh, you know, changing the world is, is uh, super impactful. So thanks for all that you do there. Um, how do our listeners um, get a little bit more of Derek Kinney? Um, where do they meet you? I should also mention, I, I, I'd ask you to mention where they can listen to your podcast, find your book, uh, maybe shoot you an email uh, if they wanted to learn more about how you might be able to consult them uh, to replicate some of the things that you've done. Yeah, well, John, thank you for that. And uh, I just, again, feel super passionate that, uh, you know, there, there's all these movies that the, they show the end of the person's life and there's always regret. And this is the best antidote to regret that I have found. I want advisors to, to deliver so much value and love every day that when their head hits the pillow at night, they are living a life of fulfillment and meaning every single day. And uh, there, there's a couple uh, pieces on social media. Uh, we're obviously on LinkedIn at Derek Kinney. And there's also a, a free downloadable uh, 10 fatal mistakes business owners make and how you can avoid them. People can download that. It's a great uh, resource. Uh, also, uh, you can go to goodmoneyframework.com is our website, goodmoneyframework.com. And also for people who haven't bought the book yet, I like to add value right away. Uh, there's a, a website, it's goodmoneychapters.com, where you can download the first five chapters of Good Money Revolution for free. Totally for free, it lets you kick the tires and it will add value right away to you uh, at goodmoneychapters.com. 
Also, we have a big uh, presence on uh, Instagram as well at Derek T. Kinney. Awesome. Well, hey, Derek, thank you again for being our guest. We'll put all your contact information, everything you just mentioned in the show notes. Um, amazingly impactful. Um, you know, thanks for all that you do. I think one of the things you said, it's interesting you said it because I was thinking it and then you said it, which was, um, and, and again, understanding, again, my word, your avatar, right? What's interesting is you understand my pain a little bit. And you, you may or may not realize it. And what I mean by that is, man, I think about every day, man, I, I, I feel a little guilty about the success that I've been able to create in my business. And I've done that with teammates, right? I haven't done it all on my own. And I keep looking at it going, man, well, what can I do to pass it on? What can I do to give more back, right? Um, what can I do so when I do put my head on the pillow at the end of the night, I can say, you know what? I worked my butt off, I deserve everything I have, and I'm doing my part to help others, right, as a servant leader in my community, uh, so on, et cetera. So um, without probably knowing it, you, uh, you're you helping to, uh, uh, to give me my medicine uh, for my pain as well. So thanks for all that you do. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for joining another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. I hope you found today as valuable uh, as I did, because this was a tutorial for me. So I appreciate that again, Derek. Uh, and as you know, if you yourself or anyone you know could be a good, interesting guest on our show, uh, please shoot us a note and we'd see if we can get you or that special someone on. So make it a great day. Uh, and thanks again for listening in. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.